Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Um, I've been in pastoral ministry for uh, three decades or something, and and I know good leadership when I see it. And uh, this church is blessed with some fantastic leaders, Pastor Sue, Pastor Stu down here, I, who I work alongside, brilliant people, wonderful people, hearts for Jesus, hearts for you. And if the leadership here was not good, I wouldn't be here. I, I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Because I've got an antenna that picks up stuff like that. So I just want you to bless these people. And there's plenty of others uh, part of the, who are part of the team. This is a church with extraordinary leadership, godly leadership, who, as I said, love God and love you. So, oh, come on, why don't you give us a round of, round of applause, eh? Yeah. <clears throat> Fantastic stuff. Well, I get to share with you this morning, and uh, we're in the series called Growing Faith, and we're looking at some Old Testament characters when it comes to growing our faith. So if you're not familiar with the Old Testament in the Bible, the Old Testament's kind of, you, you divide the Bible in like two-thirds and one-third. Old Testament's to the left, New Testament, which is all about Jesus and the church is to the right. But we're going back into the Old Testament and we're going to be looking at, uh, we have been looking at some Old Testament characters when it comes to growing our faith. And I'll be doing the same today. Now, the character I will be looking at is a person that kind of, kind of hand and glove fit for my own persona. I connect with a lot of different characters, a lot of different aspects of their journey with God. But this one in particular is kind of a blueprint for my life. So when I read through his story, it just kind of fits with me. Maybe it'll fit with some of you. And I want to unpack and share that with you today. So can we bow in prayer before we start? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is pure and holy, and and it just speaks constantly into our lives. We give you praise and thanks for that. And I want to pray, Father, for everyone who's here today, that they might hear your voice, know where they are in their journey with you, And be prepared to say yes to you now before they even know what you're going to speak into them. That in itself is a step of faith. I pray you'd bless them, that you'd pour out your spirit and they would grow to be more like Jesus today. And we pray that in his holy and precious name. Amen. I wish I had one dollar for every single person who said to me, I am not a person of faith. If I had that, I'd have... A couple of bucks anyway, but I'd be able to, I'd have a bit more, a bit more money, right? Um, usually when I've shared something of my faith with people or um, maybe I've invited them to church or shared something of the faith that we, many of us here this morning know and understand, people sort of go, well, thank you, that's lovely, but I'm not a person of faith. And but maybe one of you or two of you or three of you may be here this morning and you've come in with saying, well, I'm not a person of faith either. I've been, this person's been inviting me to church for 15 weeks and I've got to shut him up and I thought I'd come along and maybe that's you this morning. Well done. That's really good. You're in a good place to at least hear a little bit about the Christian faith here this morning. But I want to push back gently a little bit because I actually believe that everybody is a person of faith. Every person, everyone you actually lock eyes with is a person of faith because it's not so much about whether you have faith or not, it's who you're or what you place your faith in. All right, have a think about that. 
It's not so much that whether you're a person of faith, because we all have faith, we all trust, we all believe, we all hope, we all dream, we all lean into something. And so it's not so much who or what it is, it's not so much whether you have it or not, it's who or what you place your faith in. For example, um, if you're sick, you have faith enough to go to your GP and you have faith that the GP will make a correct diagnosis and... uh, and that they will then write out a script for you to take to the chemist. You have faith that the chemist can read the doctor's writing on the script. I had someone come up to the first service and said, you know me really, really well. It was a doctor. Anyway, <laughs> he says, I'm well known. No one can read my writing. So you have faith that the chemist can read the writing, and then you have faith that the chemist will get the right drugs that it's going to help you get better. You have faith when you take those drugs that they will make you better. Fair enough? So you have faith because you trust in those people that, it's going to, that that's going to happen. In fact, when you think about it, you had faith when you walked in this morning when you came and sat down on the chair. You had faith that chair was not going to collapse underneath you and it would actually suspend you at a nice, comfortable level. Now you go, well, that's not faith. I mean, but it kind of is because you've sat in enough chairs in your lifetime to know that when I sit in the chair, it'll probably going to suspend me. True? Now, the thing is, for me, that's not always been the case. Just take one look at me, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, it's not always been the case. Years ago, I was with my, um, my wife and my family, and we were holidaying down the south coast of New South Wales, and we walked into this shop. Now, it's one of those shops that you don't normally walk into. You actually walk past, if you know what I mean. You look at it and you go, I don't think I really want to eat there, right? And, but you, there's only a shop that was open. We're a bit hungry, and we thought we'd go in, get a drink and something to eat. So we risked it. We walked into this shop, walked up to the counter, put in our order, and then we went and sat down as a family around these like table and chairs that were there, and they were those plastic garden chairs that you have, you buy for 20 bucks at Bunnings. And so I sat on this chair, and the legs of the chair went kind of north, south, east, and west on me. And I, I just sunk, and it, was, it happened so fast that I couldn't control the sinking, but so slow that it looked like it was in slow motion, apparently. Anyway, I ended up sprawled out on the floor, wasn't hurt, wasn't physically hurt. Um, I was a bit embarrassed, but anyway, I picked myself up on the floor, everyone in the shop sort of looking at me, especially one guy who had these like, his, like eyes, like, like deer in the headlight kind of eyes. You know, he looked at me because he was like half my size again, and he was sitting on one of these chairs. And he was looking at me and looking at the chair and looking, you know, really concerned that maybe he might be the next one. But anyway, I, I got up, I picked up the chair and took it to the counter and I said to the lady that we'd order our food from, I said, this chair just broke and collapsed underneath me. And she looked at me and went, well, there's plenty of chairs over there, go and get a new one. <laughs> Without a word of a lie, right? And I, you know, I went, okay, words of self, don't come back to this place. Right? So we've never been back since. And the funny thing is that from that particular point right through to today, I've got this funny feeling about Bunnings plastic chairs. So if you ever invite, your, invite me to a barbecue at your place and you point to a bunny <laughs> plastic chair and say, please take a seat, you'd understand if I said, if you've got something else you can sit on. Because I still don't trust them. There's something in me that if I sit on that, is it actually going to hold me up? Now, when it comes to faith, Maybe there's something that you trusted in, you believed in, and you hoped in, and you expected even that would happen, and it didn't. Maybe you trusted uh, 
God in a relationship that you had and you're praying the relationship would get better, whether it was someone in your family or a friendship or whatever it might be, and you prayed and prayed it get better and it just ended up getting more pear-shaped as you went through the relationship and it didn't end well. Or maybe it was uh, someone who was sick in your family and, or a loved one or a friend and you prayed and you got your connect group to pray and you got uh, all the connect groups around you and a whole bunch of connect groups to pray. Not only did you pray and pray and pray, you actually fasted and prayed because you prayed and hoped that this person would get well. And they didn't. And I'm all for one. I'll believe in prayer and fasting and healing. I believe I'll pray that to the day I die. But my experience is that God heals some people and he doesn't heal everybody. And so you start to wonder, do my prayers kind of bounce off the ceiling? Anyone ever had that experience? Like, feel, Am I the only one who feels like that? Because I feel like that. Sometimes I pray and I go, is this getting through to God? Can he hear me? Does he care? Or maybe if, it's, maybe if he cares, is he powerful enough to intervene in this circumstance and make a difference? Because I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and not only has he not necessarily answered my prayer in the time frame and the way that I would like, but some prayers I've been praying for years, decades, I'm still waiting. And maybe that's you. Maybe... Maybe you've gone to the other extent and you're thinking, is God real? Like, is he, is he there? And you might be actually walking towards the exit door in your faith, maybe even putting a hand on the handle ready to exit your faith journey because you've been hurt or disappointed or God just hasn't heard your prayer. Or so we feel. I just want to encourage you this morning to, to just, just stop. Just stay where you are. Stop. Don't exit your faith. Just stop and wait a bit longer on him as long as you, as long as you can. Because my experience is that when you're in that moment, and I've been there more than once, when you're in that moment and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're hoping and you're hoping, what I've experienced is that God is wanting to do something in you so that he can do something through you. God wants to do something in you that's fresh and different. He wants to to recreate you in the likeness of his son Jesus so he can do something extraordinary. When I mean extraordinary, I I don't mean like the sort of extraordinary that makes the headlines in the news at night or headlines in the newspaper. I'm not talking big, loud, extraordinary and amazing. It could be. It could be that. Extraordinary really means something that's extraordinary. In other words, it's something that I couldn't have done unless God intervened. And he wants to do that through every single person here. He wants to do this, do that as a combined group of one body of this place. He wants to do something quite extraordinary through this church. And he wants to do it through you as well. And so as we're talking about this whole issue of faith and we want to experiment, I've, I've been praying for you. I prayed for these two morning services because I sense that there's people, and this is perfectly okay because this is me sometimes still, there's people who are holding on to faith like for grim death. They're like white-knuckling it in their faith. And I've prayed that today 
during this series, at some stage, you'll go from holding on to faith to faith holding you. Holding on for grim death. And there's nothing wrong with it. I don't believe there's anything wrong with that because I've, I've done it because that's all I've got. And that might be you today and that's fine. That's good. God knows that he loves you. We've been seeing you out. He loves you. He loves you. He loves, he loves you. But I want you to know today that he loves you so much that he will sustain you. And that your faith will sustain you rather than ha- having to hold on to it. There's a real power in that. So what is this faith that we've been talking about? Well, there's this, uh, I was going to say it's a book. It's not really a book. It's basically a sermon. It's called Hebrews in the New Testament. Just duck across the New Testament. We'll go back to the old soon. But in the New Testament, there's this sermon called Hebrews written to Hebrews. And uh, they were a bunch of people who were basically drifting from their faith. They were just sort of like wandering away from faith. Sounds a little bit like me from time to time. I tend to drift and want a little bit. And then God does something in my life to bring me back. But the person who's preaching this sermon wants these people to just say, come on, remember all these heroes of faith. And he begins the, uh, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, he begins with his definition of faith. He says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now that it's clear, we can move on, Right. So faith is that faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Faith basically means this. It is the confidence that God is and that he uh, will do what he's promised to do. Faith is that this, I believe in God. God is, God exists. He's a good God that we've been singing about and that he will do what he has promised to do. And we believe that he will do what he's promised to do because he's done it in the past. In the past, God has done this, he's done this, and done this, and he will do it in the future. So right now for us, um, my wife and I sold our house two days ago. All right? Mm. Woo! <laughs> Doesn't feel like that because we don't know where we're going. We haven't, got, we haven't got a house to go to. And so right now we're in that space. But we know in the past, because God has worked, if I had time, which I don't, but if I had time, I'd tell you the miracles that God has done in the past in our house, just in the housing area alone, it's staggering what God has done. So we know on the basis of that, that he has something planned in the future. It doesn't always feel nice and warm and cosy, uh, but I do feel I've gone from holding on like this to maybe God's got it, you know, because of what he's done in the past and that I can trust him. And so that's what faith is. And then in, and then in that next chapter, In chapter 11, it starts to just mention a whole bunch of people who have had that faith experience. In other words, they talk about people like Abraham and Abel and Moses and Joseph and all these people rattles off, all these people who trusted that God would do something and they took a step of faith based on what God had done and moved forward. And these are the heroes of faith. And one of those people that is mentioned is a guy called Gideon. Gideon is the guy I want to share with you today. He is a judge. And if you don't know what a judge is in the Old Testament, there was this period of time for the Israelite nation when they had Moses brought them out of Egypt and then Joshua took them to the promised land, conquered the promised land. And then when Joshua died, there's a 400 year gap until King Saul and David and Solomon came on the scene. There's this 400 year gap uh, where there's about 12 uh, different judges came onto the scene. And what would happen is the Israelite nation would be worshipping God and then <laughs> they'd drift 
as we talked about, they would drift away and then God will use something to bring them back to him and a judge was a part of that. And then they drift again and then they come back. Then they drift again and there was just this sort of thing going on the whole time for 400 years. And Gideon was one of the people that God used. Now at the time, the people had drifted from God once again. They drifted from God. And the way God got their attention was with a, a nation called the Midianites. But the Midianites had amassed this huge army. They had all these other armies from all these other nations. They had the Midianites, they had the Amalekites, the Perizzites, the Vegemites, all these people. They had a, like 135,000 of these people of this army and they would come and they would raid for seven years, raided the Israelite nation and they would take all their food and just basically make their life hell. And the people, the Israelites, went from their fortified cities and they started living in little caves and hiding out in the hills because the devastation was such. And so God managed through that to get their attention because this is what, the, this is what happened in Judges 6. If you're following your Bibles, it says, so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites and all the otherites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help because they sticks with two eyes at the idols that they were worshipping, those sorts of things that had to prop up and nail down, they weren't helping. They weren't helping at all. But here they are, they cried out to the Lord. It's sort of like, oh, well, if it didn't work, didn't work with the other stuff, hopefully God still remembers us. And God has a plan. He's engineered this plan to rescue the Israelites and get them back worshipping him. It says the angel of the Lord came and sat Beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Aren't you glad I'm reading this? Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So, that, so you don't thresh wheat in the wine press, you trample grapes, right? Makes sense. But he was scared that the Midianites was going to come and take all his food and they were starving to death. So that's he's doing it in hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of fearless courage. Doesn't look like it, does it? Doesn't look like he's a mighty man of fearless courage. He's in this wine press threshing out. The picture doesn't really fit the name. And one of the things I discovered when you're doing, when you're growing in your faith is that God will always see who you can become and we see who we, we think we are. God has a very different picture of you than what you have of you. God sees what he can do in you so he can do something extraordinary through you. We see our sin, we see our failings, we see our shortcomings, we see all the times that this didn't work and I tried that. And We see all that and that takes up the vast amount of our vision and God says, yeah, but I can see something different in you. I can see a mighty warrior. I reckon he looks across this room right now and he sees a mighty warrior in each person here, something that you get to fight for. And it might be tiny, but it's big. You know what I'm saying? It might be like, oh, I just want to fight for my friendship and I'm going to fight them, you know, I'm going to fight on my knees and I'm going to continue to love and I'm going to continue to what? It might be that. Sort of, it's big. It's big in your life, not big in anyone else's life, but God says, I just want you to fight for that. Just fight for it and fight in love. And so God sees Gideon as a mighty man of valour, a mighty man of courage. And so what I've discovered 
over my life is I'd see myself and I go, you're really not that good. You're really not that clever. And God says, no, I can, do, I can use you. So for me, the biggest battle is not against the so-called Midianites. The biggest battle is me. I've got to fight to actually believe what God sees in me, not in an arrogant way, just in the way it sort of says, oh, my goodness, I need you because I don't see that, but you do. I need you to help me through that. But Gideon has still not got a grasp on that. He says, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? And, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. So the only faith that Gideon has in, in God, and he's the, the only God worshipper in his family, the only faith he has is faith from the past. It's not a personal experience faith as far as we know. So he remembers what happened in the past. The people came through the Red Sea. The people were fed in the desert, so on and so forth. Uh, he remembers all of that. He's heard the stories, but he didn't experience, experience it for himself. And I think what happens and it happens for me is God knows your faith journey. He knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what the next step that he has to do in your life so that you can grow in your faith. And he's just gracious and kind and he just does it for you. Right? So Gideon didn't have a first-hand experience, seemingly, of God being active in his life. So he's got nothing to base it from. It's not like, you know, remember we said, you know, God is and that he promised to do what he said he would do. Gideon believed that God is, but he hadn't, as far as we know, have an experience of that, just the stories he's heard before. And if you look at it, the whole faith of God, it, it doesn't fit with the picture. Here, the Israelite nation feels abandoned by God, but mind you, they'd abandoned him, haven't they? They've drifted from him, but now they feel, he feels like they've been abandoned by God. And maybe that's your story. Maybe you feel like you've been abandoned by God. God's not answering my prayers in my time frame or how I like, or it's, it's been a long time and he's just not answering my prayers. And you may feel abandoned. I encourage you this morning. God's promise is, I'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And he's doing something in you so he can do something through you. All right. So the Lord turned to him and it's almost like God didn't hear what Daniel has just, Daniel, what Gideon has just said. He says, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And this is really important to understand. I am sending you. If God is calling you to make a faith step, and I believe he calls every single person to make a, state a faith step. If he's calling you to do that and you can do it in your own strength, it's probably not a call from God. If, you, if God says, yeah, look, I want you to do X, Y, and Z, I go, yeah, I can do that. If, you know, it fits with my spiritual gears, fits with my passions, fits with my uh, abilities, it fits with my personality, it fits with my experience, it fits with all these sorts of things. I think I can do that. It feels like a hand-in-glove fit. It's probably not from God. It's like a hand-in-glove fit for part of you, but there's an extra finger. <laughs> That's the finger that helps you. Uh, that's the power, really, and the experience of God. Because if you can do it, you don't need faith. And God wants you to have faith. He wants your faith to grow. You're going to have to take a step that you weren't really expecting. So he says, go in the strength that you have. I am sending you. So he's sent by God. But, but Lord Gideon said, how can I rescue Israel? 
My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. And so he's already saying, I'm the, the lowest of the lowest of the low. I'm pathetic. I'm weak. He's looking at himself, but God's seeing something very different. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites, 135,000 of them, as if you were fighting against one man. And Gideon had a standing army of 32,000. That's like a four to one ratio. Doesn't look good already, but God's going to do something even bigger than that. And some of you know what's coming up. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that is really the Lord speaking to me. That's me. I want stuff written in stone. I want things that's so clear if God's calling me forward to do something. That's what Gideon is doing here. And who can blame him? He's, all he's seen is this sense of God's abandonment when he actually hasn't abandoned them. He just wants to get the Israelite nation back to worshipping him. So he says, show me a sign. So he goes off, prepares a meal, some meat and bread, and he brings it back to the angel, and the Lord's using the angel to speak to him. The angel of the Lord touched the meat, and this is the sign, touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff of his hand, and, uh, and the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. And Gideon went, good enough. I'm in, right? That was good enough for him, at least for the beginning. That was a miracle for him. And he saw that. So then Gideon said to the Lord, because God's going to ask him to do something ridiculous. If you're truly going to use me, he's still not 100% convinced, and who can blame him, uh, to rescue Israel as you promised... Prove it to me in this way. And this time Gideon takes control of the proof. And it's interesting because God graciously lets him do it. I don't know why, but I'm glad that God graciously lets me ask him stupid questions sometimes. You know the story, if you've heard it before, you know, Gideon gets a fleece and he says, make the fleece dry and the ground wet. And then that happened. And then he flipped it around and make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And that happened. And so he started to build his faith that God was going to be with him as he promised. But what he didn't realize is that God was actually going to pull back some of his resources. Remember, Gideon had 32,000 standing army of 32,000 people who were scared because the Midianites had been oppressing him for seven years. And God looked at the 32,000, looked at the 135,000, and he went, oh, you've got too many. He whittled it down to 10,000. And he went, uh, you've still got too many. You whittled it down to 300 men. That's a 450 to 1 ratio. You wouldn't put anything on those odds, would you? 450 to 1 ratio, and God goes, now I've got you where I want you. And he gives a reason. He, he tells Gideon, says, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. Quite often when God wants you to step forward in a step of faith, quite often he'll take away all the things that you relied on. A number of years ago, 2012 it was, I remember it very clearly, I sensed the Lord had called me to do a songwriting retreat with a bunch of songwriters and um, I wanted to help them write their songs a bit better and help them step up and, 
and bless them because our creatives don't get a lot. Creatives do a tough job. Right? They can be, it can be really difficult. We just want to bless them in that time. And so I spoke uh, to a mate of mine who's a producer and had his own recording studio. And he says, oh, I'm in. That sounds fantastic. I'm in 100%. I got him on board. And then I got the place set up where we wanted to go. And uh, I knew it quite well, knew the owners. And they were really, they were a great blessing to me. And, and, um, and then I spoke to a whole lot of songwriters and creatives that I knew. And they went, oh, that just sounds like heaven. Four days, no kids, food laid on, spas, swimming pools, the whole, anyway, we, which we did have. And um, they said, it sounds fantastic. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I had over 20 people and I could only take 12. I thought there's going to be a few disappointed people who won't be able to get to this songwriter's retreat. I'm going to have to do another one later on in the year. And I put out registrations for people to, to book in and I got four, four people. I can't do it with four. I need nine to break even. I'm going to lose a lot of money, which I didn't actually have. And, uh, and so I'm going, hang on, did I hear from God correctly? And so I, I rang up people, oh, we can't, we're going away in the holidays. Oh, we, and there's a whole lot of different, you know, some good reasons why they couldn't make it. And but I only had four people. I needed another five, to, as I said, to break even. And so I was driving home from Sydney to, um, to Lake Macquarie, where I, where I lived, and, and uh, I was just praying over them, thinking, Lord... Maybe I heard you wrong. I'm going to can. I'm just going to can it. I'm just going to cancel it. I won't go ahead. I'm literally in the middle of praying that, and I get this phone call. Phone call was from one of the songwriters that I'd uh, one of the first ones I'd actually spoken to, and was so excited about it. And she said she declined, and she said the reason I declined is because uh, she's a young mum, under thirty, and she had four little kids, and she said in the whole time I've been married. I've never spent a night away from my husband or my children. She said, that's really hard for me to do this for the first time, but the Lord's just been saying to me, I have to do this. I have to do this. She came to about five of them that I ran eventually. And I got off the phone and I sensed, okay, Lord, that's good enough. That's good enough to me. Let's run it. I'm going to run it. I'm going to run with five. I think I ended up with six and made a loss, but that's all right. Kept moving forward in faith because those six came back the next year and bought a few more. And we constantly grew and we were able to bless a whole bunch of churches and people wrote songs they took back to their church and it was a great blessing. And so what I'm saying is I had this vision and then God basically stripped away the resources I need. Am I making sense? But he wanted me to rely and trust in him in order to move forward. And so one of the things that happened uh, with Gideon was that he, he did a great job. You know, you know the story. Uh, he won 300 against 135,000. They won. Uh, and they chased the Midianites away. And then as they're coming back, the people were just overawed and amazed and just enamored with the whole thing. They said, we want you, Gideon, and your sons to lead us. And Gideon rightly said, no, I don't want to lead you. I just want the Lord to lead, to lead you. I just want God to be your God, which is the right thing to do. He says, but do this. Give me just part of the plunder. I just want one earring from each of you, part of the plunder that they took from the Midianites. And they would have had a heap more. And they went, oh, too easy. So they all put in one earring into this space. And he got that. And he melted down the gold. And he made this gold ephod. And an ephod is just this vestment that um, the priests would wear as part of the worship practices of the Israelite nation. 
And he made a go, and if it would have been too heavy to wear. They would never have worn it. It would have been something they looked at and they said, they remembered the great victory that God had done. And uh, chances are Gideon did it with good intent, but unfortunately it didn't work out that way. It says, Gideon made a sacred ephod from the gold and put it in Ophrah, his hometown, but soon all the Israelites prostituted themselves by worshipping it and it became a trap for Gideon and his family. See, what can happen is when God does something great, when you've stepped out in faith and you've seen God answer your prayer and just things are happening, you go, if God wasn't in that. But what you end up doing is you tend to remember, you tend to worship, you tend to focus on the thing, the victory you've had or the thing that's happened that's been successful, whatever that might be, and you lose sight of God. In fact, it may be why some of you perhaps today, I don't know, may have drifted from your faith today because maybe there's been some disappointments, but maybe you've had some distractions as well. You see, when you're focused on the victory, rather than the victor, you can become a victim of that circumstance. The victim is that you drift from God once again. When you focus on the victory rather than the victor that is God himself, you can become a victim. And when God doesn't want that to happen. Fast forward back into Hebrews at the end of that chapter. We talked about Hebrews 11, where it defined faith and the heroes of faith. And it comes to, it comes to Hebrews 12 and the, the guy giving the sermon basically sums up that section. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and that's all the people who stepped out in faith, he said, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that's the one secret about growing your faith. Just get rid of everything that's going to tangle you up. Get rid of the sin in your life. Just so you can run this race of faith. And it says this, and this is the key, and this might be why you're going down the exit towards the door this morning in your faith. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on the hurt. Don't fix your eyes on the failure. Don't fix your eyes on, on uh, anything other than Jesus himself. When you fix your eyes on something else, you are bound to wander. Because here's what I know about you as I know about myself. You will drift towards whatever you fix your eyes on. You do it in the physical, you do it in the spiritual. Whatever you set your eyes on, that is what you'll move and drift towards because I've done it and I'm sure you've done it as well. Just try walking down the road, down out here if you like, when it's lots of traffic, and look, look to one side and you will walk to the side that you're looking to. You won't walk on the side of the road. It's just natural. And you'll do that spiritually as well. So that's why I encourage you this morning, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him, it continues, endured the cross. And the joy, guess who that is? You. And it's me. And he went to hell and back for you and for me. So I want to encourage you this morning, as we bow our heads and pray. 
I want to ask the question as we pray together. Who have you got your eyes on? Because if your eyes are not on Jesus, you're going to struggle to grow in your faith. And I want to encourage you this morning to reset your vision on Jesus. To look to him. Don't let the problems you have in your life become so big that Jesus gets blotted out. Make sure Jesus is always bigger than the issues you have in your life, whether it's a family thing, it's a finance thing, it's a house thing, like it is for me. Whatever it is, make sure that Jesus is far bigger than anything else in your life. For those who this morning, um, you may have been one of those people who says, I'm not a person of faith. Well, maybe today, just maybe, God's just kind of prompting you to take that step forward. It's a step of faith. You won't have it all together. Not all your ducks will be in the row. You'll just, just need to take one step of faith, one decision to say, I want to give it a go, Jesus. I want to make you the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life. I want to begin today. And if that's you, if you pray a prayer like that, that's the start of a faith journey with Jesus. Maybe this morning you've, uh, Jesus has called you to take a step in some area of ministry, maybe to get involved in the ministry that's already happening, maybe to give like you've never given before, maybe to love someone you find it hard to love. Maybe it's something simple like that. Maybe it's start a new ministry. I don't know. I do know that God's calling each person to step out in faith where only you can make things happen. If that's you this morning, I just encourage you to make that step right now. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for these extraordinary people. Extraordinary because you live in them and you can do amazing things through their lives. Pray that each person might take away the sin that trips them up and the things that tangle around their feet and stop them from running the race of faith. I pray that that would be done with today in the name of Jesus right now. And you might draw them to yourself given the confidence in who you are and that you will fulfill what you promise to fulfill in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just invite you to stand. We're going to um, join in worship for a moment and just stand together. And then as we're worshiping, why don't you come forward? Maybe today God's called you to say, well, you know, I've been waiting. I've been push, putting off this faith step for a while. Whatever that faith step might be, maybe for the first time, maybe it's getting involved in something. Whatever that faith step might be, why don't you step forward? And we're going to have the prayer team come out the front uh, as we worship. And they would love to pray for you. They'd love to pray with you. And so why don't you do that as we worship together? Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.